This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Hi Bob, the officially unofficial podcast for For All Mankind on Apple TV Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking season four, episode six, Leningrad. Uh, Aaron, Leningrad, what do you know about it? Uh, it's a tale of two cities. Sometimes it's Leningrad, sometimes it's Stalingrad. Sometimes it's St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg, yeah. Tale of three cities, oh my God. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, apparently the city has changed names a lot, and this is one of the names that it had. Uh, now it's St. Petersburg, and I assume that's where the conferences are taking place. In this episode. Yes. Seems like it. I don't know if they ever explicitly told us that, but they refer to Moscow a few times, and I don't think they just mean the government of the USSR. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyway, what do you think of this episode? I think this is a tale of two episodes. There is an episode of For All Mankind that's firing on all thrusters, so to speak, and I'm really engaged with it, and I think it's cool. Uh, and there is a, uh, a a shitty crime subplot and an organized labor subplot that is that is that is uh, encapsulated within this other good episode that I find baffling. Um, I what do you make of Miles Corleone here? <laughs> Miles Corleone. Uh huh. Um, this is something that I thought from the start was bound to happen. Uh, Miles seemed like the kind of guy who would want to disrupt what's going on here so that he could get his piece of it uh, and maybe take it over. And eventually that happened. It just didn't happen in the way I expected it to or a way that maybe I believe really would happen. I don't know. I don't know. There, there's still some fallout, I think, from all of this to to come, but so far it's a little rough. He he feels a lot closer to Fredo, sunny at best, than Michael. Because like sure. Michael was like a He's war a hero, uh-huh. you know. Uh, there there was some substance to him already coming into like you, you know he doesn't just blow a cop's head off out of nowhere. Like he uh, they make a point in that movie that he's used to combat and that kind of stress. Uh, where does Miles get this spine to just boss up and get North Korean muscle? In, That's and, the and, and plan all this yeah. in, in the middle of the whole, the holiest of holies and the North Korean compound. I, uh-huh. I, I just feel like they needed multiple point plot points to line up for them. And it's, it's driving the pacing and not the like characters. This doesn't feel none of these things feel like natural characters doing natural things. They feel like people hitting their marks. And it's in such the, stark the contrast main... to the the other stuff that's happening, like on Earth. That mm-hmm. uh, and and you know, and even like God, I was so curious to see how Ed was going to react. And it turns out Ed's just a rabble rousing shit stir from way back in Korea. Apparently, he's just like yeah. anytime the t- things go wrong, he just turns into like Hogan's <laughs> heroes and goes to work. <laughs> I, that still <sighs> sniffing mouse ass Ed. 
is out there riling up the people. Uh, he's now the new union leader. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of like it. I, because all of this is like a way to stick it to Danielle, right? Like he doesn't actually give a shit the about thing. these people. And maybe that's a point they're making that sometimes like you need people who are not like who are facetious and hypocritical, but are powerful and on like like any mm-hmm, person mm-hmm. that you can use for your movement. But like also maybe that's a problem with labor movements that you know, they 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 and, and and I think they're going to try to make this connection between organized crime and labor, too. As well as okay. the ultimately yeah. where I think they're going with this, you know? Yeah, that wasn't on my radar, and, but you're right. Yeah. Who's, like, is I, it I, the Jimmy Hoffa? I mean, who? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I actually thought, like, I bet that when the Russians do the math and the North Koreans do the math, now that Ed has gotten into, like, the game, they're going to think that he is trying to be... They're not going to think it's Malosh. Malosh would never right, right. do this. It's, and I, yeah, I kind of think Ed might be buried out in the Martian football field. <laughs> he's going to be on level four. No one's ever going to find his body. <laughs> he's going to be built med- into the buried, wall. He's going to be buried out in the Mar- Martian Lands Stadium. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, it's it's just a really bizarre turn for that character. And I like I again, I, I love the idea of Martian labor uniting, but it's mm-hmm. just weird to go see Ed Baldwin go from suck it up buttercup to you have nothing to lose, but your chains. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's all in, and yeah, like I said, I, I like Ed's character and it, it just kind of sucks to see him be this, this, this big of a shit. Yeah, no, he sucks this season. Uh, and it's not the only season he sucked in. Like I <laughs> look at some point they had a, they had to literally point a gun at him and threaten to murder him to get him to do the right thing. <laughs> Sally Ride of uh, all, yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, it's not the first time, but definitely, like, it's a hard pill to swallow when it happens because you want to like Ed. I, at least I do. And yeah. I, I think... So So I'm looking at the, the motivations here in the plot, and I'm thinking, okay, everybody's motivations, I think, are kind of lining up, right? Like, even Ed, when he's being a shit, I understand why. He wants to... He's uh-huh. yeah. hurt about Svetlana and his own declining uh, physical capabilities, and he wants to lash out, and this sure. is the way he can do it. Um, and then I look at Miles, and I say, okay, well, he wants money. He feels like he is gonna get out there and grab a piece of a bigger pie and he can really impress his family and his family you know with Ilya kicking him out of the operation here is now in danger he's in danger of losing that so I get I get his motivations for everything I think that all lines up it's just the way you go about it like what how how does Lee convince the rest of his people to go beat up one of the Americans. Did he lie that, to them? I mean, because he can't tell them I'm trying how we to start... sneak my wife out of our country and violate every law we have, become a traitor. Will you guys help me? Do you remember how Lee started this season? Getting the whip cracked on him because he thought about uh-huh. smiling at an American? He's uh-huh. not... Then now he's like just like got half the base under his thumb. I, I they did not tell that story. I they don't didn't. think. Yeah, and that's the the major problem I have with it is I just don't feel like all the pieces have connected well enough because you can tell that story certainly. Yeah, there there could be but, scenes where he goes to his his commanding officer and says, 
look, I, I'm hurting here. I want to see my wife. I just want to talk with her. There's a way for me to do mm. that. Please let me. And maybe he's sympathetic. You know, maybe he can convince and, him. But they didn't do that at but all. But you also got to tell, like, why the other North Koreans are kind of getting. Maybe they're, they're getting they're far yeah. enough away from North Korea that they don't no longer feel the, the lash that you know they're they're getting a little Maybe bit of he's independence getting them, uh you the, know personal massagers i don't know the, yeah <laughs> the, the the crime and the grift and the black market stuff and the money is starting to kind of influence them and but it's like no they haven't done any of that stuff and and now miles has to deliver on what i consider an impossible task and my mind's open like i i'm prepared to be blown away by the cleverness of the solution to get Lee's wife to Mars or the complication that makes it impossible or or whatever. Sure. But I got to say they're going, this is a high degree of difficulty move and I'm the East German judge waiting to, to, to give them a, a zero on it. If, if uh, they fuck it up mm-hmm. now, I do want to move on to the stuff I actually like. Cause you know, that's yeah, yeah. presumably why people are here. Listen to the fucking podcast is uh, they're a fan of the show. Um, we both said it was a high degree of difficulty to reintegrate Margot publicly into the plot. I think they did that perfectly. I love that scene between her and Elena where she yes. reveals that. Well, the one after she reveals that she's alive where they actually every aspect the, of it, though. I, I like the first reaction. Yeah. I like the second reaction. Yeah. I love the third reaction. I love mm-hmm. how the publicity of it was handled. That shit felt real. That felt like yep. what would happen. And they spent a lot of time on that. And I think that's why mm-hmm. that pays off so well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got a bitch because like uh, uh, I got a bunch of questions. Um, like <laughs> redirecting a one kilometer wide asteroid towards Earth. Dangerous. With, min- with, with min- mention of the dark program, which is to prevent just such an occurrence. Uh-huh. <laughs> the scope of the space disaster that could cause. Mm-hmm. It's got to be something they're going to lean into, right? It has to be. I mean, the first thing I thought when they said, yeah, we're going to push this thing toward Earth is that's real risky, guys. Yeah, but, for $20 trillion, you're wagering. Uh, yeah, I don't think that'd be an extinction level event, no. but that would not be a good time for Earth. And no, it's civilization. It hits is, is completely screwed. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like they have, that's got to be their direction they're going. And I, this other thing is so, like, so my I, question is, are they going to play with that and tease it? Or are they going to actually have it be a crisis? Because like the, the idea that, oh, our mount system could fail at any time and mm-hmm. oops, it goes off in a direction we didn't expect and it could possibly hit earth is very real. And they've set that up throughout the season, but yep. My question is, will that be the crisis or will there be some other crisis going along with it? And that'll be kind of a tease. Yeah. And they're going to, you know, we already seen the Russian materials, you know, deficiency. And like now they're Uh going to be running at warp speed. And And America still hasn't figured that out as best I can tell. It doesn't seem like it. Although maybe that is why the Russians, if if you want to read between the lines and say that's why the Russians and Americans seem to be kind of at a more friendly spot than they were an episode ago, it's because, you know, Gore apologized for his stupid shit and the (laughs) Russians apologized for the material deficiencies and they came clean about... It does feel like America and Russia after the coup are starting to rebuild... You know, now with twenty trillion in the offing, yeah. there's there's a huge carrot to incentivize all this. But mm-hmm. 
And then I also like the po- the politics. Like it is beyond frustrating to see politicians, you know, decide not to go for a huge windfall for the planet just because they won't be able. I mean, it's the opposite of this wisdom you hear. This like Ben Franklin bullshit. That's like. Uh, you know, uh, great nations are born when old men plant the sh- trees, the shade of which they'll never know. Like mm-hmm. we all that's this. I feel like that's shit you tell children and then you get to adults. And it's like, nah, that didn't nah, fucking cut those trees down. That, that's that, that, the hard words worth money. Like yeah. or maybe that's true when you're writing a constitution, but uh, maybe not so true 200 years later when people are trying to keep their fucking jobs, you know? Yeah, as from what I know of history, I don't think there's ever been a shining era where people were not self-interested and were oh, not, you sure. know, yeah. more but, but or less. It, so, yeah, I it's it's super frustrating, but it, again, it feels super real. Like it's you know we've talked about how almost miraculous the moon program was. Like it's kind of an open question. It's always been for me is like if Jack Kennedy hadn't died. And the whole nation kind of been like, fucking, we're going to we got to do this for Jack. And it, it's super politically important. And, and the competition with the Russians, too. Would we have gone to the moon or would we gotten five years into the program and then be like, ah, this is super expensive to, you know, what's even up there? Well, and it's the changing of of the guard, right? Like having yeah. a presidency that rolls out to a new person exactly. every four years makes it impossible to get long term plans done because the next person yeah. isn't necessarily on board with them. Why do you want to cross the T of the other guy's project, which, you know, they're going to get, you know, you're going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, this is I'm fulfilling the vision of my predecessor, who's probably not even from the political party I'm affiliated with. Like mm-hmm. nothing. Is and I can get a short term win here by just cutting that program and saving a bunch of money and putting it elsewhere to, to goals that people are now more interested in. And yeah. 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 Whole host and of reasons it, why that stuff is hard, if not impossible. Yeah. And I, I really like how they explore that. And um, so that stuff is, is really good. It's just mm-hmm. uh, I feel like the crime plot and the uh, the labor plot, unfortunately, even though those could be super interesting and they might be interesting in the future, uh, they have just really tried to go from, inst- you know, they, they haven't cooked that from scratch. They used a, a, a baking mix. I don't even think they, they used the right and to try to substitute applesauce for oil. Mm. baked it at 500 instead there. of 350 it's just it's just kind of a mess kind of a mess yeah like gluten-free bread uh i'm curious how they're going to bring it around to you know that star trek ideal um because if you have these political systems in place it does seem like a foregone conclusion that you can't think long term so how do you get past that do you have to destroy those systems, create something yeah. new that is more, uh, I guess, equipped to think long term for the benefit of humanity? Or can you work within those systems to kind of artificially create a system that does that? Right. Because I, I mean, that's the, the, the thesis I like about this is the systems that we have on Earth are the things that perpetuate like crime and, and inequality and things like that. So it's like where we also know, you like, you know. Yeah, and the Soviet Union had uh, different problems. They weren't the same problems as America. They had their pluses mm-hmm. and minuses, as did we. But, like, I, I've often wondered is, like, are we going to come out of here with, like, some kind of synthesis? You know, some kind of, what does that look like? Just like, like a social social democracy? Um, sure. Uh, American-style socialism? I, I, I don't know what the show's suggestion for, like, yeah, how, how do you get to the Star Trek utopia? And I don't think it's coming this season, but... At some nah. point, if that's their yeah. goal, they got to get around to that stuff. Um, yeah. 
And I do think this is like this is the this is the most they've gotten into the purely political and social economic, you know. So yeah. like it seems like they are trying to get there. It's just I I, I oh man, I just wish it was a little little better little better little better written but i guess that's the other thing is like before when they've done a little bit of like rewriting history it was like addressing the wrongs that we've already you know kind of come around on like oh let's get women involved a little bit earlier you know let's let's not be so hard on the gays uh let's uh you know let's let's stop this kind of petty squabbling over planting flags here and there and just kind of work together in and out when you're starting to go like, okay, well now what, how do we get from where we're at now to where we need to be in the future? That's a lot harder because, you know, you got to start making some firm stands on real world economics and, and paying some prices, you know, they're just, it's painful to change from one system to another uh, for a lot of people. And those people aren't going to be happy about it. How how do you make it as easy for them as possible? Yeah, the you know the one of the ideas of um, you know why why don't we just go migrate to cleaner green technology right now is because well that would put a lot of people out of job uh, jobs and that would make a lot of infrastructure obsolete and there's still some ROI left on <laughs> on the books for those projects and it's yeah. it just comes down to that you know uh huh a lot of the time and if you're wanting to decry that as foolishness do you do that when it hits your pocketbook you know sure <laughs> like sure. Yeah, so I, I like that. Podcasters, I'm not sure I'll be singing the same tune. That's yeah. I mean, now we're talking serious <laughs> business. You uh-huh. know. Energy independence, one thing, but podcasting independence, vital to the nation's security. <laughs> All uh, right, we got to get out of this. We got to get out of this discussion and into the recap, man. Did you know Al, Al Gore invented podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> he said so. Yeah, was his bill to increase Apple investment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it led to two things: the iPod and Honeycrisp apples, and immeasurably <laughs> improved the world. Uh, you know what? Apparently, according to Apple, does not improve the world is smoking. There's a smoking warning at the beginning of this episode, which was interesting. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Uh, there's, I there's not the either. And certainly, smoking has been a bigger part of the plots in future and in, in, in past episodes. You know, the whole Gordo Tracy subplot. Sixties, my God, smoked like they were on fire. Yeah. Hmm. It was really weird to see that come up, but okay, sure. It I, is I interesting. Agree. It is hazardous to your health. It is interesting because we grew up in a world where tobacco products were being slowly exterminated and eliminated. And we now live in a world where tobacco has somehow managed to outmaneuver our politicians in this vape thing. And now that like teenage rates of not smoking, but tobacco use are like skyrocketing higher than they've ever been before. It's like, God damn. I'm waiting uh, for 20 years from now, the reports on popcorn lung. That's what I'm waiting for. Cause you know, sure. if vaping is healthy or, you know, at least not as as terrible as smoking. I'm kind of all for it for smokers, you know. But yeah. I don't know that we need to be hooking our kids on it. Well, call me Orville Redenbacher because I <laughs> I'm not going to dodge that bullet if it comes down to it, Jim. Oh yeah, uh, the pop. Right. Yeah, the the lungs the lungs might might be Jiffy Pop. Uh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Hold hold, hold cross my fingers on the sign uh, how the science on that works out. All right, let's get into the recap. You're listening to Hi Bob. We'll be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, Bob. Welcome back to more For All Mankind. Yep. We start off with the meeting of the M7 uh, out there in St. Petersburg. Dignitaries arrive as Margot watches from a storeroom via camera and feeds arena information via radio uh, the, this entire episode. She sees Hobson and Aleda enter and watches her very closely. And then arena starts the proceedings and we go to the intro. Margot's devolving into a full goblin was pretty awesome. Like this, this is what she says. Mm-hmm. She says she's all about the work and we believe her because she mm-hmm. lives like she's obsessed with it. But her like squatted in that broom closet. Uh-huh. Uh, like she's the what's that the dude with the red swing line from uh, Office Space? You know, Milton. Uh, yeah, yeah, Milton. It's uh, it's just, it thought it was really funny. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of comedy milk from the little telephone game that her and Bullfinch were playing the whole episode, which uh-huh. I appreciated. Yeah, I was trying to like look at the pauses between someone speaking and Arena responding. Mm-hmm. You know, because she's got to wait for the information to come through from Margot in in full. She can't. She doesn't seem to be responding in real time, just parroting Margot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were a couple of times where it felt a bit long, but she's processing like big, heavy concepts um, and hard problems to wrestle with. So I think the pausing was appropriate in a second language. So you kind of like she might fumble Indeed. for her words on these technical terms, and even her fucking up a couple of the technical terms. I uh, think kind of sold, yeah, like Bart Dart. Oh, you know my English. It's it it it'd be too suspicious if she knew that chapter verse with no fuck up. So I thought that was, yeah. like I said, I I I was ready to roast this plot because I thought they might not handle it just, but I think they did, and they avoided you know any insane stuff like Arena just having her front and center at this conference or yeah whatever. right Alita yeah. walking at the door. My God, Margo, you know. <laughs> uh huh. All right, well, let's go up to Happy Valley where Ed wakes up without a job. He has nothing to do, so he smokes up. He makes some rounds, shaking hands, and then invites himself to Ilya's, which freaks out the patrons. Admiral walks into your black market bar. It's not good. (laughs) When he walked out into that hallway, it was a lot of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 3 Venom suit channeling because he's just you know high as a kite and you can see that like people you know he's not exactly the most popular figure amongst the no sub basement dwellers and they're not giving him super friendly looks and 
Uh, but yeah, just him kind of bopping and smooching along. And, and, I and, love and, it. On second watch, when you know his, I guess, internal reputation as like the still booze hound, mm-hmm. my, only, my only note is I kind of wish they showed him like rapping on a few other panels. Because you know he knows, like the grow op is proof that he knows the angles. Uh-huh. He walks uh-huh. in these rooms and yeah, I can see. But like the fact that he almost like a literal bloodhound He's like he's two can Sam just follow us <laughs> just just like like one of those you know cartoon hobos that are homing in on a drifting warm, on the, yep on yeah pie, warm apple yeah. pie sitting on the sill I I kind of wish he'd kind of like to see him going down a couple of empty corridors but that's yeah, that's pretty minor good criticism it's oh yeah and I think Joel Kinnaman is doing such an amazing job playing an old actor uh an old space cowboy at this point like the way he's moving like I know he's doing that little bop thing down the hallway Mm -hmm. here but like you said he's high as a kite right now but the physicality he's bringing to this role is perfect little little loose in the hips he's got a little bit of a hunch a little bit you know his 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 neck's a little bent forward Uh, he's moving like a really old guy who's still in good shape but like he's still very mobile but he's old He's old because we see him. You know, he's doing those modified push-ups and sit-ups, and he's he's hitting the bike. He's he's keeping himself trim. But uh, yeah, I did love those easy push-ups. You're in micro. Well, you're not in micro gravity, but you're in one-third gravity, man. If you can't do a push-up on Mars, mm-hmm. nah, you're in That's bad shape. That's true. He's doing modified push-ups on Mars. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, it's, that's kind of unbelievable. But whatever. It was funny. I, do wish maybe they had spent a little bit more time because I feel like I, I feel like the the this show only remembers that Mars is one third Earth's gravity when like it's relevant to like Kelly's son's medical condition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we talked about that on on you know the Expanse how they were variable and how well they treated microgravity versus like lunar gravity and Martian gravity, but this show just they don't even they don't they don't even really try. Um, yeah, uh, they did it fairly well, I thought, when Miles fell in that canyon, because I, I was yeah. thinking, oh, it's you know, it's low gravity; he'll be fine, and he was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, and actually, just just the moving around and all that stuff, they're not they're not giving yeah. they're not giving a fuck about it. Uh, so this is interesting. Him in light of what happens later in the episode, him making friends with Ilya here. Uh huh. I think, like earlier, I said there's still probably some fallout to come from Miles taking over Ilya's operation, and I think Ed might be a key component of that as senior yep. project manager and still some sway on the base. People still respect and fear him. Uh, I wonder if he won't help Ilya out. See, I yeah, that's a possibility, but I've so locked on to the idea that this is going to be... Um, a mistaken identity kind of thing that Ed for his own reasons is muscling on Ilya and this labor thing. And it's going to be interpreted by the like Russians and North Koreans as him. Oh yeah. He's out of work. He's desperate mm-hmm. to cling to power, make some money. He's getting into the underworld. And I think he's going to, I think they're going to try to assassinate him. I really like, I know we were joking about it, but like, <laughs> oh, I do wow. think, I think they're positioning him as like a Patsy figure. Oh, wow. How would I feel if that's how Ed goes out, assassinated by some dumbass from from Louisiana who couldn't even hold down a job? 
I think it's is a Tony Soprano situation where he's going to send yeah. up his dumb uncle, you know, uh, <laughs> and and dodge all the. But I that's such a that's such a bizarre end for Ed Baldwin. Mm-hmm. But it's every once in a while in history that happens, you know. Sure, Benedict Arnold. You know, not everybody, not everybody gets to die the hero. No, it's true. Um. All right, let's go over to Hobson who tells the conference that they can launch a capture mission in eight weeks, and then Aleda lays out the necessary technology they need to develop to harvest that asteroid, which is going to be both enormously difficult and enormously expensive, crucially. Uh, Helios needs $2 trillion to pull it off, and everyone at the conference balks at that expense. Uh, 10x is not a good enough ROI for them, at least over 40 years. Um. Yeah, but that's the other. I mean, it's it's not just even ROI because I think you're supposed to understand through the lens of the rest of the season that the other problem with a, a forty year ROI is it gives the larger, more powerful nations a chance to rip up the contract and change everybody's bonus structures. You know, mm-hmm. like the longer that goes and the more unexpected things are going to happen, the more time the deals can be renegotiated, the more times governments are going to change hands and that makes it even more likely. So it's like it's, one of those like a, it's like a prisoner dilemma, right? You know, like if if, mm-hmm. uh, if, sure. if both people refuse to play the game, that's the best impact. But since if you are betrayed and you don't betray the other guy, that's the worst thing that can happen. The rational thing is to both betray. Right. So you get the, the bullshit mediocre rewards and that. This is, we're living in a bullshit mediocre mediocre reward planet with with rare exception today. So yeah. it's 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 and that's the problem. It's a rational thing to do, and and I don't know how we'll ever get out of it. And I, I hope the show holds up a candle to that door, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to Happy Valley. Danielle and Palmer go over the mission parameters and are similarly stunned by the scope of them. Uh, and the timeline. Palmer doesn't think they can make it happen. Danielle tells him, I'm going to get that rocker. I'm going to die trying. I like her sentiment. Can can you... Can, where are you at with the possibility of this being pulled off? Because I hear eight-week launch window, and I see this laundry list, and I understand a lot of it is post-capture. It's like the, to exploit the, the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, just the project of grabbing the asteroid and slowing it down in eight weeks seems not possible. Like, I'm really looking, and and I've got a bad feeling that we're not going to be sold on the possibility. We're going to have, well, Margot and Aleda talked it out in a silent scene with music playing underneath, and we know Margot and Aleda are brilliant, so let's just go with it. Just go with it. We're going to stick a spaceship to this thing, and it... That would be sad because I feel like they've talked out every they they've spelled out every other plan in this series. You're right, they did, and they did do it this one. So like may, maybe they will, yet, maybe they'll maybe yeah. they'll walk us through it. But I'm a little worried that they're going to just slide a hand this whole thing. And it's it's a shame because a, a lot of the appeal for this show to me has been not just the, the characters and you know because if you don't care about that, nothing else matters. Right, right. But. The thing that's really made the gave extra intrigue is the technical solutions, the MacGyvering, the Apollo mm-hmm. thirteen of everything, and seeing clever people work together to solve hard problems. Yeah, like Apollo thirteen would not be the movie it was if you know Tom Hanks is sitting there. All right, NASA, what are we going to do? It's like, all right, do you got duct tape? And then they just fat. Then you know, one day later, 
they're hitting the atmosphere and coming home like Uh no i i gotta i gotta see tom hanks with the 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 square filters and the the sandwich bags and Uh uh-huh He's got to be flinging him at uh, what's his face, and I, I, yeah, I want to, I want to see that. I want that technical detail, but it's it's hard to sweat those technical details. So, yeah, especially when you start to get into science fiction type stuff, right? Then how do you, you explain things to people and, yeah. in realistic terms that don't come off as silly? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they've done a good job up to now, and I'm hoping that they will clue us into this plan before they actually execute it. But we'll see. He's a young upstart hotshot scientist at NASA. Mm-hmm. By the name is Zephram Cochran. He's got some bold <laughs> okay. ideas. Yeah. About antimatter and dilithium crystals. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. No one's taking him seriously, so he starts building a rocket in his backyard. <laughs> uh, I thought there was some pretty fun comedy here uh, with Palmer looking at the plan and going Jesus fucking Christ and Daniel yeah. giving him the look and even going oh sorry holy fucking shit yeah much better XO yeah. love that stuff uh, alright Ed gives Ilya some advice on his distilling process the still sniffer talking about <laughs> Ilya's cinnamon mouse ass this is just comedy. What does that even mean? Cinnamon flavored mouse ass. Just the mouse ass I get. <laughs> Cinnamon I've never tasted. <laughs> I know. I'm saying I can see how the flavor of mouse would get into contaminated lines, but cinnamon? Like, is this some okay, kind of ratatouille yeah. situation where he's, you know, uh I mean it depends on what he's using to what he's distilling down. I mean What's his mash like, you know? So he got corn up there? Or is he using some, you know, sweaty apple NASA pie? Socks like, what's he did? Just he fermenting apple pies, getting cinnamon stuck in there? Maybe. Maybe. I, yeah, I don't know what he's using. Uh, I, and did, I don't know. Look, there are a lot of ways to describe weird flavors in alcohol. True. People come up with some crazy shit. So, cinnamon mouse ass, not the weirdest I've heard. I hung out um, with a sommelier for a while. <laughs> I, uh,. I really liked Ed's uh, like Forrest Gump Bubba esque like rundown of all the places that he's experienced black markets and shine mm-hmm. carriers, cruisers, mash units, isolation chambers, jail cells, churches, moon bases, space stations. Like he's it's it's really funny, and he he launches on the, that list a second time, and Illy cuts him off. But I I it's like I said, this is fundamentally feels like a portrayal of a character I love, but it's also undeniably fun to see it happening. Absolutely. You know, if this was a one-off Christmas episode, I, I would feel a lot better than this being a permanent bend to the moral arc of Ed Baldwin's character. But we'll see where it goes. I mean, look, man, he grew up in, in what the the Navy? Is that right? Oh yeah. And it, I, every story I've heard from those Navy guys is all about how there's yeah underground operations on every ship, every port, every base you go to. I gotta have a way of getting it. what they need. I 100% believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So that Ed would be a part of that, especially in his younger days. Hell yeah. Yeah. No Navy are crazy and crucially also Marine adjacent. So the hijinks that uh, that whole branch of service gets up to pr- pretty legendary. Mm hmm. Right. Sam tries to convince her colleagues to form a union so that they can use their temporary leverage with this asteroid stuff to grab a piece of the pie. Uh, 
I feel like they cut this scene off too early. Or I feel like the story they're telling here is that Sam is not the person to lead this union. She has the right ideas, but she's unable to convince people to follow her. And in my mind, it's because she doesn't follow through on the logical argument to its natural conclusion. Because you got her explaining like, hey, you're going to be doing a very dangerous job. Guy comes back and says, yeah, I'm going to be doing it, but I'm going to die with a dead man's smile or a rich man's smile, rather. Uh-huh. Natural argument there is how are you going to have a rich man's smile when you're working 24-7 to earn that money? Mm-hmm. Like they're going to work you to the bone. You're not going to be enjoying that process. And then when you die, you're not going to be able to use it. I mean, this is the classic difficulty of of trying to get like labor and any kind of solidarity movements going is, you know, we talked about the prisoner's dilemma. Um, raising people's class consciousness is essentially saying, okay, we understand that we'd all be better off if we do the betray option. Okay, okay. All right, all right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But hear me out. What if we all agree to do the cooperate one? Knowing that if out if, if if there's enough people willing to do the betrayal as scabs, if you know that the management is going to uh, is going to act in bad faith and have the full force and power of the government behind them to act against you, mm-hmm. that's a dangerous thing to do because you're getting paid. What if you lose your job, you lose your bonuses, you get sent home, and you're billed one hundred fifty thousand after all this? Like what happened with the moon guys? I love that they checked the moon thing and i also love that sam's like well it's not like the moon because they could shut that down ship everybody home and be back in business in two days we've got them by the balls here because they've got a month eight weeks to turn this around and that asteroid's gone yeah so we our power will never be it's 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 all good stuff but it's just also Mm -hmm. underlines how hard it is because people don't want to fucking organize and strike and do all that shit people want to get paid you know totally Risking it all to get a little bit more is always is always a tough proposition. But on the other hand, it's also got a got a winning history behind it. If you can get everybody in line, you know, and it's short term thinking versus long term thinking. Right. In the short term. Hey, look, I'm going to get my bonuses. I'm going to make a make out like a bandit here temporarily. What's the problem? Well, if you think long term, what if you made out like a bandit for the rest of your life? Right. And 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 you sacrificed a little right now to make that happen. Yeah. Well, you secure these benefits for all posterity. I mean, the reason we have holidays and uh, five day work week instead of seven days mm-hmm. a week until we die uh, is because of, you know, blood in the streets, essentially. So yeah. you got to have people making that ira- like irrational decision for themselves and their family to make the rational long term bet for all of their, their work, all of their fellow class members. And that's just historically been very hard to do. Uh the thing but, about so it's good this, stuff, though. right? It's just this uh-huh. is such, I think, an underwritten part of the season that it kind of feels perfunctory. Um, but also, we're—I okay. don't know. Maybe, okay. maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe we're ready for like fast tracking this stuff because you look around the country, like the yeah. labor is kind of resurgent right now. Like they've had some huge, important victories, big ones at like the uh, auto workers in Hollywood, um, down mm-hmm. to like service industries. Like there's a lot. There's changes in yeah, the Starbucks, air. Starbucks, Amazon, like so. So maybe I'm. May, maybe we're there, and we're like the audience is ready to go along with it. But yeah, I think maybe. it was a it was a chance to it was a chance to do a better job of um, shoring that stuff up. I think there's a. Uh... 
there's a little bit of um, ironic discomfort in this scene too, or I guess not in this scene, but in future scenes, because there is this moment that they can capture um, a mm. p- bigger piece of the pie and they have huge leverage. But all of that is kind of done away with by the end. They don't, they, they've missed that opportunity by the end. Uh, the, the opportunity never actually presented itself. Well, right? I, I thought so too, but then I thought about, no, I think what they're saying is they still have to, capture the asteroid they still have to divert it to earth and earth can't do that by themselves so they have a much shorter window that makes sense yeah 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 so the the because if they they don't put the brakes on at mars earth gets fucked Mm -hmm. yeah they're gonna miss it entirely jesus is there a marco inaros possibility where it's like (laughs) martians like you know what's better than economic leverage we've got the we're going to take control of this base we got the finger on the the thruster button we can steer this into earth orbit or we can steer it into earth Uh pay us fuckers and we're out here by the belt we can keep them coming (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's no shortage of these things oh my god oh my god maybe maybe we are just going for the expanse screw the star trek stuff it's time for the expanse I mean, they yeah. usually. I mean, that's. I, I, I'm wanting them to recapture past glories because every. I, I remember seasons where I thought, oh, they're going to escalate this in obvious ways, and oh my god, there's a war on the moon. Like, shit gets out of control yeah. sometimes, and I'm. I'm kind of looking like where could things get out of control, and I, I could just see Sam with like, uh, you know, a Rambo style headband and a the command center that's smoking, and there's base commanders hung up, Danielle pools hung upside down by her boots, like Mussolini and. Maybe it'll be the North it's, Koreans. They'll they'll be targeting this asteroid at like I don't know, one of the other M seven or something. I mean, shit! They fought the capitalist devils before. Mm-hmm. So they could do it again. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the conference where Arena engages Eli and Alady in conversation, and she tells Alady that they don't like the ROI, uh, the the ten x ROI on this project because it would take thirty to forty years to see it. Uh, Eli and Arena are considering dropping the whole operation until Eli has the idea to redirect the asteroid to Earth so they can mine it in orbit rather than on Mars, and everyone likes that idea, including Margo. Do you think the bullfinch made a bit of an unforced error by trying to really hammer home Margo's loyalties here? She's leaning pretty hard on that. Why would you gloat so quickly over something so sensitive? Just, just let, just, just, just let that, like, like, let the trap work, man. Let the, let the, let the, let the, the, the noose get close, uh, tighter around the neck. Let the door, I, the trap door, swing a little bit more shut. I didn't notice it so much here in this scene, but later in the episode, she goes even harder on that, and. Yeah. I definitely noticed in the in that scene. I was like, "You are risking alienating this person who you kind of need yeah. at this moment." Just, just to almost just to like get a jab in. It almost felt personal in a weird way. Do you want a triple agent? Because this is how you get a triple agent. Uh-huh. You know, like <laughs> yeah. for for someone who spouts as much stuff about how no one will ever trust Margot, the Bullfinch seems to put a lot of trust in Margot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she thinks that that. Uh, episode in the gulag really had an effect and scared her communist but like uh i don't know those those experiences tend to have the opposite long term like short term sure but long term Mm -hmm. you know fuck these guys right 
uh, the thing I did like about this scene is how much Margot and Aleda, without knowing it, are on the same page, especially from Aleda's side, right? She doesn't know Margot's involved in this conversation, but she's saying the exact same things, and Margot's nodding along, and no, you see so... that 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 simpatico relationship that they had before all this stuff went down. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and they're both, like, you know, singing from the same hymnal. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was, I, that was pretty good, and and uh i thought the um what was the other thing oh what did you th- what did you make of the fact that they put a lady in a dorm room is that a per- is that a power play and if it's a power oh. play why did they do it to her and not marv because because maybe they don't like capitalism i don't know i'm always trying to remind myself she's there representing helios See, I think if the if and the if the Soviets wanted to really stick it to the capitalists, they would put Marv and the executive class in the dorm, and they would put Aleda in the kind of more blue collar. Now Aleda's not really blue collar at this point, but they'd put the the workers, the engineers, et cetera, et cetera. They'd put them in the finest accommodations. It's a, it was a weird. I felt like mm-hmm. it was a power play, but I wasn't sure what play was being made. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't really know what they're getting at there. Uh, let's go back up to Mars, where Ilya gives Ed drinks on the house for his distilling advice, and Ed reveals that he also knows about his black market import business, but Ilya doesn't really want to talk about it here. This is where I think Ed's going to get misconstrued, you know, and I, I think that is Miles getting stonewalled by the rock exporter a direct result of this scene? Because on second watch, I, I, I took that as gospel that there's oh, a cause and effect so. here that, 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 that Ilya was already planning on cutting miles out. Um, but Ed like coming and sniffing around his business, he saw as a threat. And I think he associates like mm-hmm. mile, like Ed, Ed and uh, miles together. I might be wrong on that. Or Miles it, is doing a very risky thing and he needs to cut some of that risk down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that there's now heat. Like I got the Admiral sniffing around, but they're there's they're connected and I and and since they are connected even if it's a coincidence. Well, it is a coincidence. Ed's not d- there because he wants to muscle in on the territory. No. I, that yeah, it, it's that's my my le- that's one of my big theories right now. That Ed's going to get caught up in this and he's going to be on both sides. Yeah. He's going to like Helios is going to want him dead. <laughs> the U.S. Mm-hmm. government's going to want him dead. The Russians are going to want him dead. Uh, the I Russian underground's going to want him dead. I I just cannot wait for Dev to get up here. I cannot wait for it. Oh man. fuck! I even forgot about that. The fact that Kelly and and because uh, <laughs> they they checked them in. You know, it's like you see Ed like you know uh-huh. seeing them saying, "Hey, Poppy, we're on the flight here." Dev's with them. Because you know, like, because like conceivably, Ed Baldwin could be the main reason Earth get doesn't get a twenty trillion dollar windfall. Mm-hmm. They could change everyone's life for the better. Like just and 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 <laughs> for man. for petty for petty personal yeah. wrong. Not even pet the wrong reasons. He's just mm-hmm. wrong. He's wrong. He is. No, I'm with you. What a bastard! It's fun to watch him do these things, but he's doing them totally for the wrong reasons. It yeah yeah. All right, Miles goes over to the loading dock to speak with his smuggling contact, but she says the operation is over, and Miles is threatened by the man mountain, Petros. I, this guy's big. He is. Uh, he puts out uh, like his whole fucking 
I think his whole hand wraps around Miles' throat and his like middle finger and, and thumb touch at the back. Like he's it's uh-huh. he's got big mitts. T minus three seconds until the ad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R. R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Touchdown, and we're back. And, and I don't think Miles is a small guy necessarily, but this guy's huge. Yeah. It, and it almost surprises me when they the North Koreans roll up and they're just as big as him. That was yeah. shocking. Yeah, because this guy's huge. Yeah. And there, there's uh, I don't think they're just as big, but one of them rolling, is. They're rolling. They're rolling in a. They're 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 rolling deep. They got like three four dudes. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if any uh, one of them is as massive, but they could Voltron mm-hmm. together and shut this shit down. <laughs> yeah, that's how I bet it happened. Uh-huh. All right, let's go back to the conference where Aleda, Eli, and Arena discuss the plan to get the asteroid to Earth. Uh, they're working the problem here. Margo suggests that they use the plans from the DART program to do it, which was a asteroid deflection program designed to protect Earth in the case of a asteroid headed their way uh Aleda shoots down kind of each aspect of this each potential plan and margo suggests that they work the problem and arena immediately says i need a break that's pretty funny we must work the problem i need a break yeah but because she realizes like how the hell am i going to get in between these uh, people and yeah. Um, she's out of her you, depth and talking and it's a cumbersome process having Margo oh, yeah. and, and a probably a, a taxing process on her like uh-huh. second languages being fed radio from one person while another person is talking these yep. concepts that I'm sure she's familiar with but may not be intimately familiar with the way that Margo and Aleda are and yeah she's not like a technical subject matter expert on this stuff no th- this has to be incredibly mentally taxing for her I would think so you, I think you're alluding to this scene about the time that uh, the bullfinch yes. really yanks on her chain. Uh-huh. Uh, let me ask you this. 
I, I thought maybe Mar the what I was supposed to understand is Margot is misinterpreting that as a chain yank when she's really trying to go at because like what did I, I I guess I'm confused with what Margot said that might have been expressing loyalty to NASA. Well, she said something like we're we're not gonna do this like some kind of police state, and and that triggered. Uh, oh, arena. it was the evaluation of her form of government, right? Okay, yeah, that was that was uh, that was a little spicy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and so okay. arena fires back, uh, but but doesn't in a way I like that is both talking to Aleda, like your loyalties no, need to remain with you know no longer with NASA, right? Because she's with Helios and worked out well. Yeah, I and like I said, I'm I'm. It like it does feel like this stuff is better written. Um, but no, it's well is written, it possible yeah. that it's just coming out of the mouths of people that we care a lot more about, and we're just I don't I don't think so. But I'm trying to be fair. No, I I think it. So what it does is it has the benefit of relying on a lot of past uh, work that they've done. Right. True. Like in this scene, when I hear Margot, and then arena passed this on when she says we need to work the problem and Aleda looks over like huh that's a very yeah Margot thing right like, she's like, recognizing something and that comes from seasons of previous material yeah. so like you don't have that benefit with Miles and the the space smugglers right yeah yeah no I I think I think yeah just the 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 other stuff does seem a bit underwritten compared to this stuff but you're right also it's easier to, to write when you've got a huge foundation of relationships and uh history and and world building to to, to stand on yeah you could do a lot of shorthand whereas with mile stuff right. you're really gonna have to spell it out it feels like they're shorthanding but we don't have we don't have yeah, yeah we don't have our notes from previous seasons to fall back on so we're like huh I mean, right. I'm rolling. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I guess I feel like I'm rolling with it, but I'm going off a lot of knowledge that I'm bringing in from outside the show. And again, maybe the show's right. And uh, this audience is going to just just be on the ball with this stuff. But I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, they I just I just wish they would take the platform and maybe do a little bit more education on that. Or build it out a little bit more to make it feel real, so people can. It's like directly applicable to people's lives, but yeah, like I said, maybe people already get it. Maybe so. Uh, all right, let's go to Ed waking up with a serious hangover, uh, cinnamon mouse ass hangover. <laughs> Palmer <laughs> wants him to sign off on the Helios base pay and bonus rates. He takes the documents under review. Man. I Again, Ed. this is just this is fan service. Like why, Ed uh -huh. waking up with that with with God's own flashlight shining in his face. Uh -huh. <laughs> re, just looks down between his legs, sees the half smoked dube, and that line of like, <laughs> "Don't mind if I do, Admiral Baldwin." <laughs> and then and then he's acting like a high schooler caught smoking weed in his bedroom when Palmer comes up, right? Like trying to shuffle it out the non-existent window. It's right. Like he, he's your thing. dad. He's your dad at two thirty in the afternoon on on Saturday, being like, uh, "Oh, morning, Palmer is the, yeah. the late late shifts clocking in." And then the the evil chuckle that he has when he's got the paperwork yes. and Palmer's screaming outside his door, impotent rage. And Palmer's uh, like, it's, it's, oh, you're, did I catch you sleeping? It's noon. And he's like, well, I guess I'm just a lazy a fuck. Lazy. Is that all? 
<laughs> is that what you came over here for? Um, question. <laughs> do you buy do you buy that this would be the case where there's enough of like a separate military command structure versus corporate structure that Danielle could essentially confine Ed to quarters, but he's still a chief executive officer of the company? Like I, I kind of think believable that he would be a right. senior project manager. Yeah. That like that 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 yeah, Danielle's not thinking from a corporate sense. She's mm-hmm. only kind of a, so yeah, she doesn't think about, oh God, he's got all this soft power that I need to also sever or get. And she get, doesn't like, really I have got, the authority to do that, right? I mean, this yeah, is a helios matter helios. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, I found it just believable, yeah. Um and and I I don't know that senior project manager Ed is the title that he wanted to go out on. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still an admiral. He'll be an admiral, right? But like, now he's an acting. His acting role is senior project manager. Yeah, he's just going to be a paper pusher. But uh, th- and and I got another question about it that we'll get to when he uh, drops this stuff on the 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 labor committee. But we'll wait. We'll wait to get there. I think the larger question is: Do I buy that? the senior project manager would have to sign off on bonus and pay rates. No, I don't. I, I don't I think a project manager has that role. I think that's much more accounting, much more executive level sign offs. But I it would make sense that Ed would be that tippy top level that might like, you know, maybe they got the title wrong, but he's gotta be the highest ranking Helios personnel there. Oh yeah, definitely. So, yeah, because the the commanding, I mean, he's second in command. He was second in command, and now, you know, his commanding officer was NASA. Danielle's mm-hmm. NASA. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right. Margot tells Arena that they can solve the engineering problems if they take bold action, meaning her and Aleda work together on the project. And Arena tells Margot that she'll be labeled a traitor if she does this but Margot is willing to risk it if she can get back to work. I was saying this before. The work is her real love. I buy it. I buy it uh-huh. 100%. It's not about power. It's not about Sergey. even. It's not even about Aleda. It's about the work. It always has been, always will be. It's not that those things aren't important to her, but uh-huh. they are subordinate to the work. Capital T, capital W. For and sure. I, th- I think there might be some criticism from people to say, why would the Russians agree to go along with Margot's plan? But I think the way it plays out, the Russians, why wouldn't they? They got everything they wanted. They got a political win. They, do- they, didn't-, they didn't apply pressure to an American citizen to-, to steal her from the country. Hell no. She was discontent and disgruntled and uh-huh. uh, disappointed in her government for pursuing profits and all that other stuff. So it's like, according to I don't speech. Yeah, I, I don't know who says no. And uh, so I, I thought, again, and I could be wrong, but I thought this stuff played pretty, pretty beautifully for me. And it's and it, as a way to get her and Aleda back together. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it, they threaded that needle. Yeah. Especially since, like, the way they played it is, like, Margot is not, like, there with her fingers crossed, rolling her eyes. Like, she's given that statement. Like, this is going to cost her. Like, mm-hmm. shh, the American people, all of her friends at NASA, a late, like, that. That this is the kind of thing that she's saying is going to make them see and hate her. So, there yep. seem to be, and then, like I said, we're just, she's just starting to pay that price. 
Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and, and she I pays did, it even, so personally right away, uh, which yeah. I really like. But yeah, there are, there are bigger ramifications too. Yeah, and I, I I do think it's like when she says, "I don't care what people think. I know what I did and why I did it." Same as now, that's fine. But Margo, you need people. Like I don't know how you like like I feel like you should have learned that lesson a couple seasons ago. But you need people, and if everyone hates you and doesn't trust you. How effective mm-hmm. a leader are you going to be? This is true, yeah. But she's got the full weight of the bullwinch, bullfinch, bullwinch, the bullfinch behind her. Um, I do wonder if we'll see a darker side from Margot. Like, if people don't trust her and like her mm-hmm. anyway, like, what happens if people, you know, like, again, she can't do anything about the Americans, but what if the Russians balk at helping her? Or if, you know, I, I wonder if they're setting up that woman she made the acquaintance with that helped her with the, the washer. Uh, at the vending machine i wonder if they're setting her up to like that's going to be someone that expresses disappointment of margo and margo has to deal with maybe yeah i'm not seeing the the future angles here but there kind of have to be some i just don't know how you lead a facility or a project of people uh across multiple nations if you have zero trust and zero like like that as Mm-hmm. As much as it pains us nerds to hear it, sometimes you got those people skills are important. You know, there's a reason that uh, people who are not as good as programmers are, as us, uh, not as good a creative as us, uh, might advance faster because they schmooze, they play the game, they go out and golf with the boss. Yeah, totally. yeah and and uh, Margot doesn't do that shit. So, uh, one of the questions I have coming out of this scene, and I guess previous scenes as well, is why is arena so eager to capture this asteroid why is she allowing this to happen because didn't they make the point that this would disrupt russia's economy pretty severely it's a major status it's their number one export is that right or just a major well it's not the number one they just kind of corner the market in in iridium so uh, that's that's the big question they they raised that point last episode and now now Maybe Russia is extracting a bigger piece of the pie because of that. They need to be bribed, but like that, they're not. Perhaps. They're not saying that. No, they're so not. So like, yeah, it's it's bizarre to me because you're right. Russia, the, the status quo benefits them. So yes. why are they trying to bust their ass? Yeah, why wouldn't they be you know slow playing this whole thing, hoping they could delay long enough to miss this asteroid? But yeah, yeah, because right now, like, they're, whatever whatever shakes out the New Deal, it's not going to be a stranglehold on the market for them so no but maybe i don't know maybe there's a little bit of altruism that like but i don't feel like or that's maybe the they story think they're telling once we ca- well they're not thinking long term I, I, I was gonna say maybe they're thinking once we capture this asteroid and exhaust its resources we'll still have the number one export of iridium so get this while we can and then benefit later from our stranglehold but, but they're not know. thinking long term the way they're talking that there's more that there's there didn't they say there's more iridium in this asteroid that's ever been mined on planet earth ever i believe so yeah so that's <laughs> that would be really long-term thinking imagine if you injected into the to the world economy all the gold that's ever been mined in one shot into like it would devalue gold would be devalued massively and it would probably be, yeah probably be a big because you know gold's got a lot of really insanely useful material properties of aside from looking pretty that mm-hmm. uh so like that would be a good thing but it would also everybody's you know got their safe full of gold for the end times probably not gonna mm-hmm. be too happy <laughs> absolutely yeah uh all right let's go to the scene where margo reveals herself to Aleda. 
Um, she goes to her room, but she's not there. So Margot's just looking around, and when Alita returns, she's shocked to find Margot, but she runs up and gives her a huge hug. This I I thought this was a great decision because it gives us like a little bit of emotional catharsis, and then it sells the because Alita has defended Margot's innocence. We saw her do it with Bill, you know, it's like, and this seems mm-hmm. like this is like a long-standing argument with her fans. Cause you imagine like the full context of Margot disappears, the, or she gets killed the day the things blast, um, you know, and people like, there's this rumor that Margot was a spy for the Russians maybe. And there's all this bitterness about that. And then she's alive, but all of the things that her detractors are saying are broadly speaking true. Like maybe you yeah. excuse her because of the reason. I, yeah, having having a lady just completely having a human reaction of "I'm so glad you're alive," only to have the knife twisted when she finds out. But maybe you shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Maybe the maybe the Margot that I really loved and admired should have died back then instead of betray. It's it's pretty fucking good, man. Yeah, and Margot herself wonders that too. Um yeah, the, ha- having that reflexive action of like, this is a person that I care deeply about. They're alive when they shouldn't be. I'm going to run up and I'm going to hug them. Yeah. But then you get a wash of like, oh man, all, all of the stuff that you know about it comes flooding in after mm-hmm. that moment, that reflex. And it's really, really good. Yeah, I agree. And I think even the staging of putting Margot or I'm sorry, Aleda in the the dorm room. So she's taking a shower. So the door kind of just pops open and lets Margot kind of walk in and rifle through her things that like they they really amp the the shock contrast to its maximum. And that was that was pretty fun. Totally. And we'll get back to that scene here. Because it also like there's a little bit of like. Did the bullfinch get cold feet and abduct a later or something? Like, why, where the hell? <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. There's like, did, did the Russians come in? Like, there's like, there's a war, warm kettle here. Her papers are all about. She's got, did she, what the fuck happened? But yeah. no, she was just, you know, washing her hair. <laughs> in the dorm shower. Yep. Uh, so let's go back up real quick to Happy Valley, where Miles tells Lee that Ilya's been lying to him. He's never going to see his wife. And Lee gets extremely upset, saying this is not acceptable, and says he'll handle it. And then the North Koreans send their muscle after Petros. Again, I don't think they've done a very... Like, I would believe if things have loosened up in North Korea because of their isolation, because of the distance from the motherland, because of the injection of capital and crime, and that corrosive effect, you know, mm-hmm. crime's corrosive on the fabric society, kind of like weakens things for, for good and ill. But they have not told that story. No. The last time Miles got on the base, it required an emergency and a whole bunch of subterfuge. And now he can just go and knock on the outside door. And instead of Lee coming and going to a private area, he just invites him in and has a screaming match in the middle uh-huh. of the North Korean outpost with some North Korean lady monitoring comms six feet away. What the fuck is going on here? Yeah, uh, 100% with you. This did not feel right because they have not told that story. Yeah, and my, it feels like Miles playing a dangerous game because, yeah, he's gotten all this North Korean muscle somehow. Um, But... Lee, he's got a he's got to follow through on what I consider an impossible plan. 
or, or yeah. we're gonna I have mean, is that the implied promise here i suppose or yeah i mean to be working with him it was it would be one thing if he just went to to Ilya. he lee took his guys went to Ilya, and kicked his ass Mm-hmm. but to be actively having the muscle with him when he's kicking Ilya out of his bar feels like they're now like, like he's made promises to Lee. And I just also, I it, it never felt like Lee's got this kind of pull, you yeah. know, that like, cause I'm saying, okay, you get these, you get the, your four beefiest North Koreans to come, you know, whip this guy's ass. What's in it for them? Some extra foot cream. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. You know, like no, real severe bunions. And yeah. it seemed like Lee was under maximum suspicion from his biased people, which makes a lot of sense that he spent so much time with the Americans and maybe that stink never really washed off of him. I, I don't know. But this this plot took, I like I said, I was not expecting much, but it took a left turn at Albuquerque for me. All right. Well, let's take a right turn and get back to the stuff that we really like. Um, this is where Margot explains to Aleda how she's still alive and why she defected. Uh, Aleda does not think her actions were justified, and she tells her how it felt to be there on the day of the bombing. And once all the words have been said and the tears shed, Margot asks Aleda to work the asteroid problem with her. I found it so gratifying to hear Aleda essentially say over and over again, if only you had gone to the FBI, Margot, none of this would have ever happened. And uh-huh. for Mar- like all of Margot's bullshit about like, well, I didn't, you know, and then like her argument is essentially, well, I didn't want to face the consequences of my actions because yeah. in my own mind, they were justified. Congratulations, every criminal ever. You know, every person uh-huh. who's betrayed an ideal or principle or a movement, it's, you know, it's because, yeah, like she's thinking like, well, you know, at the point where I stole the nuclear reactor design and gave it. I, but like the very first time pressure was applied, you mm-hmm. could have just gone to the authorities and said and none, literally none of this would have ever happened. Uh, and it's really frustrating here to try to justify that bullshit. Especially to Aleda, who shut it down hard and eloquently with her, yes. you know, at our post. Mm-hmm. Her, yeah, her description of being at that post at the time of the bombing was affecting. The names she dropped, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the people, you know, like starting with Molly, going down to Bill, that he's, you know, he's got his pelvis crushed and his spine uh, destroyed and his life kind of like permanently fucked because of that. Um, and yeah. Bill was on like a high point, man. He was feeling appreciated and paid for the first time like this. And and then like when they got the Emma, Margot's long, I never even thought of her, uh, her long suffering mm-hmm. assistant again going down at her post because you know that's what you do i i thought it was ex- and then margo's response well, like if it, uh, it's all the same to you i wish i had gone down at my post like i bitterly regret all this stuff and pivoting to that to elita's regrets if she mm-hmm. there's a little bit you know we're going to be talking about uh you got mail in the near future if not already because we're recording How all this stuff out of- are you going to connect these dots <laughs> Well, there's a little bit of Tom Hanks and Margot, and that she's using information that she gathered on the sly to manipulate Aleda. Like, she heard how passionate Aleda is about Uh the noble, altruistic things that 
that that uh, and and she knows she knows which buttons to push because she's been listening to their conversation. So, but also because she knows her, and that's the thing. Aleda throws out this line that says, "You don't know me anymore." Yeah, I, she doesn't know a part of you that was created right. after the bombing, but she definitely still knows you deep down. And and it yeah. works, right? I mean, they, they work the problem mm-hmm. together. They come up with a plan. So like, it, she does know her fundamentally but Aleda has this other piece of her now because of the things that happened because of that incident that Margot chickened out of uh that yeah now is a part of her as well and I it's sad it's a, such a such a delicate scene that needs to be well executed and it is here this is stuff they really give time to and and the space that it needs yeah and I thought this was a really well-written kind of monologue that they gave Olivia here, uh, Trulio, and that she delivered it well with just the right amount of like genuine grief and also like barely suppressed rage, and not sanctimony. just at Margot, yeah. but at the situation, <laughs> at the righteousness situation, and it's like an impressive. It was a long one too, uh, no cuts. I thought it was uh, a real standout scene. She's had a lot of those. She nails them every time. True. I, I, like I said, the stuff with her and Bill has been excellent throughout this series. And the stuff with her and Margot here is just as good. Yeah. No, she's a she's a pocket dynamo. Yeah. One to watch for sure. Uh, all right. Let's go to Ilya finding Petros in the infirmary. He knows that this was not an accident, even though Petros is claiming it was. He finds Miles and the North Koreans waiting for him in his bar or at least what used to be his bar, because Miles is taking over the operation. Ilya's out, Milos is in. The way uh, Miles Corleone here is talking, uh, mm-hmm. at, at what point did Ilya talk himself out of the operation? Because it felt like that Miles was willing to like let him keep the bar or let him keep a piece of it or was trying to, but like, I, oh, I don't, I don't know. Because so. like this Miles is so different than any Miles I've ever conceived yes. of before that like I felt like you could get me here with Miles, but I needed a couple more episodes. Agreed. Um, th- th- there is a hardness to Miles that I have never felt before. Uh, and, and I understand that it's now he has something that he is desperate not to lose again. But at the same time, I just don't I've never seen this side of Miles before. Yeah, this is like Miles. This is like if in my in the Godfather, if Michael went off to visit his father at the hospital and then they cut back to him going to have to go to Italy and hide out. Uh-huh. Or maybe even no, even maybe post uh, Apollonia. And like yeah, he's got that hardness back. and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, like, oh my god, if you skip the killing Captain McCluskey and you skip him fleeing to Italy and falling in love with his ultimate gangster wife and getting that taken away, like, yeah. the character doesn't work. And I feel like they, they, he, this is like a fundamentally goofy, lightweight dork that has failed up in the life and is at the end of and and he went from that to a criminal mastermind who's got the balls and the connections to get all this north korean muscle and it it i don't quite buy it yeah and i I really wish i did because i think there's a solid story there yeah it's just the shortcuts that have needed to to be taken have kind of undermined it I, i i could totally buy this i could totally buy lee being 
his muscle and Ilya being out because I saw this coming from the beginning. Yeah, we like, talked about it. This guy's it. Like, got oh, a thing he needs to support his family. He's going to take it by hook or by crook. Okay, mm-hmm. he's given a taste of it, and when that's taken away, of course he fights back. And that that's a great story. Mm-hmm. It's just the execution isn't quite there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let me ask you this. Does Miles realize he's taking over a bar that... <laughs> Uh, Admiral and senior project Ed manager or senior project manager Ed has just befriended the the owner of. Is this going to be a problem for him? That's a damn good question. And does like I guess the real question is does Ed care? Because like I think Ed Ed might have cared, but he's got a new project now. He's got a better way to fuck with Danielle. But what if he can fuck with Danielle on every level? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like going, you know, going back to the fan service of this and how much fun it's been to watch. Like this Mm -hmm. is all true, but the fact that this is all this fun is being had at the service of just sabotaging good Danny is, is, is really hard to swallow. We'll be right back after this spacewalk. in we're diving into more for all mankind it is i i'm waiting i really want to see her reaction to all this especially the ed the like man especially the stakes for the world that that are happening here it's like okay like uh-huh. maybe you're pet personal and you're petty and if <laughs> if it was just a normal program but like a once in a generation chance for earth to get a leg up like that is a whole other line of petty, man. Yeah, That's the and kind you're of petty... potentially strangle that opportunity just to stick it to one person that made a choice you don't like. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, that kind of short-sighted, arrogant pettiness is usually reserved for like multi-billionaires and I don't know, despot <laughs> kings. It's sure. It's a weird look for Admiral Baldwin, I think. Yeah. What would man. Karen say? I don't know. I don't know what Karen would say. Karen fucked Danny, though. So what kind of... Yeah. Ultimately, what kind of judge judge anything is she? (laughs) All right, let's go over to Sam continuing to petition her people to unionize. Ed comes in, joins the conversation with some information about Helios' new bonus structure. It's not good, Bob. Uh, Ed suggests they shut the base down and everyone starts chanting strike. Union leader Ed. It uh, it's it's interesting to see them kind of speed run all the like. Well, they can't do that. We have a contract. Well, their fine print says they can change the contract anytime. It kind of surprises me that you can change pay, hazard pay, terms like that. In and I bet in, you can challenge that legally, but good luck doing that in any kind of realistic time frame from yeah. Mars. <laughs> and then then the the other thing is the and this is. This this whole binding arbitration of the uh, company's choosing. Th- that's one of those things. That there, there's there's a whole bunch of games of legal chicken that we're playing between labor and management right now. There's the you know, uh, th- there's this one the like binding arbitration. There's the everyone signing eulas that say a whole bunch of nonsense, and those are binding. There's a whole bunch of things that like we're waiting for a landmark like some kind of landmark case to be like, is this really because 
you mm-hmm. know, I, I, usually these kind of like novel legal theories don't hold up when there's like real malfeasance at play. And that's what it feels like you're you're playing with here at Mars. Like you already got like halfway to indentured servitude. Now you've got the and you got the company store mm-hmm. like this seems like the kind of shit that the Supreme Court likes to, to kick down just when when you think you've, you've won. But and until then, it is. It's a scary thing. It's like, OK, well, yeah, you can't you can't sue us and you have to arbitrate with our arbitrator. And regardless of what that arbitrator says and its legal standing or what and the facts of the matter, you're going to have to accept it because. Yeah, it's a way to subvert the justice system, which is crazy. I mean, yeah. on a fundamental level, that is insane that a yeah. company could just write some words and the justice system does not apply to them. But so That's far, crazy. it's crazy. Yeah. So far, no one's put like, you owe us your firstborn in a EULA. So it hasn't far, been egregious enough. We to haven't get the shipped, shipped people from Mars at the tune of $150,000 that they're personally owed for. Yeah. So like I said, that's, but it's, it's, can um, I do that? Can I write something that someone can agree to that, uh, nullifies their rights as a human being and it completely subverts my responsibility for it in our justice system. Can I do that? I mean, I, I had a lawyer tell me once, this is America. You can be sued or sued for anything, including breathing, you know, like mm-hmm. the, about the only thing you can't be sued for is, is, is you dying, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but the, yeah, it's like, I, I think, yeah, you, that's the thing is like, you can do whatever you can get away with. Right. But I don't have the money to get away with it. Nah, you don't got money to give away shit, man. You, you can't even get away with unpaid parking tickets. You got, you know, you got to get yeah. seven figures before you can say fuck, fuck that. I could barely get away with this podcast. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> obviously, this is Ed sticking it to Danielle. Just get her arms flapping around, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do wonder. It, it makes me question. Okay, how much of Ed is just getting back at Danielle, and how much of Ed feels like this is unjust? Um, and kind of roots for the underdog. You know, him going to the bar here with Ilya and recounting his time of like, hey, I used to be this guy that's still sniffing, uh, I don't know, booze hound Navy guy. Maybe there was a time in Ed's life where he would have been sympathetic to all this stuff. Do you think that's making a return or is it just the Danielle stuff? I'm highly skeptical of any altruism. Like that evil yeah. laugh did not sound like <laughs> this is unjust. This is the latest outrage from Helios, and I'm finally seeing things from the common man's perspective. This uh-huh. for, felt more like ah, a knife I can plunge into her back. Um, look, yeah. if there is any possibility for me to be like out, uh, like like Admiral Baldwin being shocked of the the class consciousness, I would desperately cling to that because I want to believe that there's something more than just his vein. Uh, Here, Mm -hmm. I'll throw something out. Is this some kind of Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, sundowning like this? Is this bizarre? Is is there any kind of cognitive reason for him to be this? He's got Mars brain. Yeah. Because like when my, you know, my grandfather in the process of dying at Alzheimer's could really terrorize a hospital unit. Like wildly mm-hmm. out of character behavior from this man, the way he would treat doctors and nurses and the way he would treat his personal dignity, not in his right mind. Is there a, is there a chance that some of this is from Ed just kind of losing it at the higher level? And, and you know, part of part of the, part of people's reaction to that is in a lot of cases um, heightened aggression because you're confused. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're paranoid. 
you think people are out to get you? Is are, are they maybe playing with that? That like there's the physical signs, but also maybe there's some mental cognitive decline because that would make him a lot more sympathetic. He's just a victim of his physiology. I, I don't think they're playing it that way. Well, then to there's me, no fucking me, altruism here. <laughs> so I think he's just being a shitter. This is a warning to future generations because it doesn't apply yet. But when you smoke weed in microgravity, all of that THC <laughs> congregates in your head. The rest that would go yeah. to your body, the body high you usually get goes mm-hmm. to your head and you do insane shit. So watch out. Smoke yeah. lightly. That's yeah. what the smoking warning is about at the beginning of this episode. True. It's not about cigarettes or nicotine or tar yeah. it's about smoking in microgravities smoking here on earth is very cool and based and <laughs> and uh, it makes people like you but up in space it's too risky the higher uh-huh. oxygen concentrations the microgravity yeah it's uh yep. it's yep. it's uh th- that 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 makes perfect sense <laughs> this will be relevant in 2062 uh it, oh, okay this is a terrible time for helios to pull this shit right do but they know that? So is it so sense. tone deaf from a corporation thinking, well, we're just going to screw these people? Or is this like the opening salvo of a negotiation? Well, Let's so lowball them so that when they that, come back that with a counteroffer, it gets closer to what we're willing to accept. Closer to the status question, quo. Well, that was one question I was going to ask you. Um, did Is this the, a bombshell? Because I think what you're supposed to understand is this is stuff that's being approved. And it's going to go in effect after everybody works their their shifts and it's going to change the bonus structure. So like all those people who are like grinding to get to their 50 point bonus now got to go to 500 or was that 5000? It was a crazy It's 500 to 5000, which is a 10 X increase. But now they're finding out before what the plan is. So it's like I think mm-hmm. that and it seemed like that that was a good plan that the that that Sam was having a hard time getting people to put their financial necks on the line with the promised payouts that they were going to get. But now that mm-hmm. they found out that their pay is going to be garbage and they're only going to get it for a couple months before they essentially become a backwater to the solar mm-hmm. system. So I, I think Ed really did fuck them by letting this information out early. Because yeah. now they can get organized and they can slow things down right away and yeah, yeah so maybe just, it wasn't such a misplay by helios it's more they didn't expect it to get out so, so what do you think dev i what do you think dev's gonna do because i got i'm starting to get an inkling yeah when he gets up here and he sees that there's a full-on strike happening well he, he's too late right i mean he can't do anything from mars once he gets there because he the two-month journey is just barely inside the window of capturing this asteroid but the plan is an eight-week plan he won't be there in time to deal with this. Because I was, I was wondering if he could do like land on Mars and be like, "All right, I am a Martian now. Helios is a Martian company. I am going to argue for us getting the biggest part of this pie." Like this was, this was, this was all. This was everyone old, along the, with him. These were these were old Earth pro- policies and plans. I'm here on the ground now. This ain't gonna fly. Like, what if he's just a we are Martians kind of thing? Yeah, like he leans back into Harambe, maybe in a cynical way, but in a way that would you know increase because that's because kind of, remember his plan was to make Mars a better place, and I think he's not foolish enough to think that Mars can be a better place with like minimal bootstrap funding. 
So like he might be arguing for like Mar. No, actually, Mars should get the lion's share of this. Hmm. Or at least it's fair share. So is he going to try and capture and hold ransom this asteroid? <laughs> is Maybe. that what you're like? He's going to grab it and put it in Mars orbit. Like he's going to be like he's going to instead of trying to fight this movement, he's going to harness it. To be like, follow me. I'll make sure we get what's ours and we have all the negotiation because we can I mean, always at any time push the button that sends this out into the asteroid uh, out out into the like you know like an, until it's in earth's orbit we have all the the control i, I don't know I, I could see it i i just wonder if he's going to be too late getting there he's gonna have to make that case on route right yeah and i think he's capable of doing that and uh-huh. i don't know maybe they'll also play because they said that the thing has to be ready to go in eight weeks and the guys that are rabble rousing are not the ones planning the mission they're no. the labor that's going to do it but i think i think the timing might land that he can he can he can land and harness this right as it's a crucial you know they need to get the work yeah right as they're they're executing right they've done all the prep and then here comes dev on the day of the mission to and say there's no one left to helios to oppose him he kind of cleaned house so he's kind of the supreme uh-huh. dictator of that so i That'd be an interesting play for him to go either false populist or full populist because I'm, yeah, I'm a Martian now. Fuck Earth. Sure. And he said he's never coming back. So, and Earth needs us. He's a Martian. Earth needed Helios when it was an Earth company. Now it's a Martian company. They really need it. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. I don't know. It's going to be super interesting when Dev gets there, is all I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and like really I said, excited. that's the thing that's like I'm not super sweating because we've said it many times is sometimes you can get away with shitty writing to get to a result that then can be good. And you'll people mm-hmm. forgive you. It's like, ah, oh, Miles kind of sucked. And uh, Sam, you know, they didn't really do that. And the uh, North Koreans, but like, you know, next season when they've got a well-established crime storyline and a well-established labor storyline, as long as that's good, then bootstrapping it with bullshit will quickly forget. So none of these missteps are fatal. It's just they need to start making it, making the the characters better and it it more impactful and substantial pretty soon for for them to save it. Yeah, and in some scenes they're dropping little things that add to that. I love in this scene how they drop the the, the name check Petros, who yeah. is used here as a as a a motivation to start the union because oh look he got hurt in this accident because he's been overworked right mm-hmm. which is a lie yeah. we know yeah 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 that was really funny but but that could absolutely be a motivation for people i stuff like that really goes a long way i think just dropping that into scenes occasionally it's so historical the fact that a lot of history hinges on you know misunderstandings, misunderstandings and miscommunications mm-hmm. and you know things that seemingly are irrelevant and yeah i love it all right uh let's go to the final scene here where news of margo's greatly exaggerated death hits the the airwaves, the news, uh, as she does a press conference, throwing NASA and America under the bus. Aleda packs up to go home, hating Margot. Yeah, well, no, not they, hating her. She says she doesn't hate her, but she'll never forgive her. And she yeah, does not want to watch this this clearly false speech. No, it's a humiliating speech for Margot to give. It's a tough one for Aleda to hear. Um Well, she can rest easy in the knowledge that her jacket is fire. This jacket <laughs> really is, is so cool, man. 
It really it looks like someone something someone wear on the expanse, you know. The it looks yeah. like Monica the report or like something she would wear. Uh it's 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 next it's next level. Mm-hmm. Um Do you think that do you think that Leda feels a little betrayed that maybe Margot used her because now it's come out that Margot's taken over this this project on Star City's behalf? Where do you think that Elaine is going to get it twisted and think that this is Margot trying to get her glory and power back? And because that's why, like that, the venom that she turns the television off as she tries to like spin this to like I'm eternally grateful they're all the brilliant scientists and engineer, and she just like flips it off. And I, I wonder because because we saw the speech with the she gave to the bullfinch that you know hey it's not that's not what's mattered matters to me it's all about the work but you know Elaine heard like hey we're doing this for all mankind right. And then in the mm-hmm. morning, she hears that Margot's doing it now, being promoted to the director at such and such. So I, I wonder if there's a little bit of Jacques going on here. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, I, I'm. Hmm. I, I'm trying to get a read on how much Aleda understands Margot as a person because I think that was kind of turned on its head with uh, this reveal that she's alive. And I think Aleda's probably thinking, I don't actually understand this person. Yeah. They're making choices I would never make. Yeah. Which was a, that's, yeah, that's kind of what so, she said. The, yeah, maybe you she had does choices think, all along. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And your choices in the beginning were a hell of a lot better than your choices at the end, but still you made the bad choice every single time. So, so maybe she yeah. does think Margo might just be in it for the power now. Could be. I don't know. I don't know. But that's it, man. It's the end of the episode. Uh, all right, let's do some feedback. Uh, FAM at baldmove.com is how you send feedback. Uh, but first, I want to give a note that uh, if you want to find out what else we're doing besides For All Mankind, because we're doing a lot of stuff, going to be doing a lot of stuff in 2024. Got a lot of fantastic Christmas stuff happening right now. Uh, best way to follow us is on all of our social medias, at baldmove, except for TikTok. We're at baldestmove there. We also have a Discord, discord.baldmove.com, if you want to connect and talk about each of the episodes with a fun community of uh, friendly fans. Check it out, discord.baldmove.com. Finally, if you'd like to support what we're doing here at Bald Move, we could use and would appreciate it. Uh, support.baldmove.com to help us keep producing podcasts and get a bunch of nice stuff for yourself. Uh, extra bonus content, ad-free feeds, etc., etc., all right, for all mankind at baldmove.com, uh, let's get to the feedback. Okay, first up to the feedback is Chris DeCapo says, I'm loving your for all mankind coverage. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm thinking they ate bad Danny after he died. They're starving. He's perfectly preserved in the Martian cold, a la oh, Yellow yeah. Jackets. Mmm, tasty, tasty. Just saying. Merry Christmas. Uh, I Okay, Jim, I got uh-huh. a distressing amount of feedback this week. All saying that the solution, the the, the true Martian Thanksgiving, is <laughs> is a bad. roast, is a roast Danny. The bad tradition to start. You stuff a Danny with a chicken, <laughs> and you stuff the Danny into a turkey. You slice, you bone, you bone them, you slice them. Uh, this is insanity. This is not actually something that will happen on this show. Correct. Uh, uh... Oh Jesus! I, no. I mean, it is it is a solution, and if things get desperate enough, yeah. I mean, 
Would you rather die or would you rather eat Danny? I'm thinking. <laughs> That's not clean meat, you know? That's a bottom feeder. It's not good. Sure, sure. It's eating a lamprey. It's eating a... Yeah. One of those sucker fish out of the fish tanks. Uh, Chris says, P.S. The Star Wars Holiday Special 2 is freaking hilarious. So thank you. He's talking about oh, uh, yeah. our our insane Christmas project that we did this year as we do sometimes check it out on youtube.com slash bald move. Only if you want like unhinged star Wars Christmas content, uh, PPS. Oh, Oh, uh, my brother's movie. The inventor is now out on video on demand. Check it out on prime, Apple TV, Google play, voodoo and YouTube movies, many local cable and television providers. So this nice. is the inventor and it's a claymation s kind of Ralph bank, ba- ba- bass, banking, bass, banking, whatever. Rank, ba- rank bass, bass ranking. Rankin Bass. Rankin Bass. I'm. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm, this is this is actually secretly happening after a three drink uh, Christmas movie <laughs> podcast, and I'm still a little drunk. Uh-huh. Uh And it's, it's it purports to be the life about the life of Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, oh. Says so if I could spread the word, indie films need all the help they can get. Voices of Stephen Fry, Daisy Ridley, Matthew Barry. What? So, so hot right now. I, I I thought this was gonna be some indie joint. It is some like indie joint. Straight it's to got video a 70, or something. That's amazing. It's got a seventy seven on Rotten Tomatoes, so yeah. Inventor. Um, All right, nice. Uh, extended bald new family. If that sounds like it's up your alley, check it out. B says, I have a quick question. When Miles got his loner helio suit in episode four, he mentioned it smell. Did Danny Stevens die in that suit in the episode five flashback? Maybe they ate bad Danny. Maybe they didn't. But my headcanon is now oh that his Helio God. suit is in rotation at Happy Valley base. Of course it is. Of course it is. They're not going to throw away a perfectly good spacesuit. And yeah. I think your theory holds a lot of water and gross. <laughs> Maybe he got roasted. I mean, how's it's a thin atmosphere up there in Mars, right? And he's sitting full view of the sun. Yeah, maybe he just his radiation cooked him in that suit. Because if he was preserved, bad. It's that it if smells he was preserved, like human. Mm-hmm. If he was preserved, there should be a smell. If that meat was good, right? Maybe it, well, you shit yourself when you die, right? Oh, right. You asphyxiate. The pressure differential gets you. Yeah, you shit yourself, especially okay. on Mars. Especially that wouldn't necessarily spoil the meat. No, but it would stink the suit up. So maybe it's yeah, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> All right, I think I think that's the only cannibal question. Oh no, we got a lot more, but those are the only distinct ones. Uh, so many people, so many people wrote into the hot take that they're going to eat bad Danny. So uh, I mean, I the trouble is how do you cook bad Danny? That's that's the real problem. You can't I... eat raw bad Danny. He's been sitting out too long. You get science. You science that shit like Matt Damon. Matt Damon Make can eat potatoes a for a stove, year on Mars. Methane stove. If Matt, if Matt Damon can eat potatoes for a year on Mars, they can gnaw on Danny's ass for a month or two. I'm saying. <laughs> totally. Cincinnati Joe, hometown Joe says, how did I miss or did I miss how Kelly's searching for signs of life helps the asteroid capture? Because if it doesn't, why does she need to go on the urgent flight Dev is taking? Doesn't NASA and the other countries get a say about the whole team of people and their gear coming to Happy Valley when they're in the middle of such an intense effort? What's the urgency for her mission? Maybe Dev just wants to keep her and her shares happy with him, deciding to go to Mars. If that's all there is, then her team and maybe her can go later as was planned. Doesn't seem like this benefits anyone other than the scriptwriters. 
Even more obvious is bringing a child. What would NASA and some others say about the sudden development, especially in the middle of the asteroid capture and the tense international situation about it? If Dev plans to commandeer Kelly's robots, the worst thing to do would be to bring Kelly and her kid, especially with Ed there, just commandeer them on Earth for the greater good. The other orgs would be okay with that. This is a good question because I talked about, like, from a labor standpoint, you know, how the Helios people will think about, you know, their deprivations and you got people bringing their family here now because they're the old man of Mars's daughter. What the fuck? Um, how much does it bother you that they are sh- like, like, why is Dev accommodating her? Does he need her shares that bad? Is, is, is there a way for her to claw those back? Uh, as far as bringing her kid, I, I don't know, because in that moment where he agrees to do that, he is also feeling some particular familial regret as well. Yeah. True. So he views himself as that kid. Like, would he want to rip his mother away from himself as a kid? No, no, he didn't want that to happen, but it did. And he doesn't want to replicate that with Kelly. Does he? Because I, I. I thought he was doing. I see my. I, I think we talked about this in the podcast. But my rep, my recollection is that I thought he was making this offer for Kelly to refuse. And yes, he's moved it. She's trying to find a way to do the science and you know c- keep her her relationship with her son. But he fully expected her to like so he could guilt free just be like, oh well, you know, I wanted to do your project, but obviously you want to be a mom, so there. Yeah, I mean that might have been the case but i think what we saw with his family i i don't know uh because it does happen after right so maybe he changed his mind somewhere along the way um he did he did kind of a nasty thing at the beginning and then it morphed into a good thing i think joe joe's core point here about him needing kelly shares is the most plausible thing because otherwise he would just yeah like who cares um it's hard for me to see hmm. how those robots, maybe they can use them as automated workers, but then you're right back into being a hot water Kelly. If you just, you know, steal her projects, her, her robots for your own project. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the impetus for him to take the team was in the first place. I don't, I don't remember if, cause he's not going up there because they need him up there. He's going up there because he wants to he call wants the to shots. take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah. And and it felt to me like this was something he was making up as he went. Like when she's like, what the fuck? You know, you didn't tell us about any of this. And what are we going to do about this? He's just like, shit. Yeah, we'll just bring him and you can come and you come with me. Like it's it's like he's a seat of his pants. And like, again, expecting Mm -hmm. her to be like, oh, that's crazy. I can't do that. And then it's her fault, not his. Yeah, but he's taking her team. So she she needs to go, I guess. Um yeah, I, I don't know at all. They they told that story well enough for me. I okay. think especially with the stuff we learned about his family in episode six. Um, Kurt says, in the bonus content provided by Apple TV, there's been a news story talking about the formation of the Mars 7. In this story, it's mentioned that China and Canada chose not to join the 7. I can understand why China would be hesitant to join, but do you have any speculation as to why Canada would not want to? Do you believe that this will be a political plot point this season? P.S. I hope they don't eat bad Danny. I, th- see, now we're supposed to be done with the, the eating Danny plot lines, okay? It's leaking. It's leaking into the other feedback, Jim. Maybe it has something to do with the term Canadian bacon. <laughs> Maybe they, they, I don't know. Where was Danny from? Danny a Houston boy? He's a Houston boy. 
I don't know, man. Why wouldn't Canada want to join? That seems wild. Is there something about their economy being more reliant on oil, maybe, that like Canada's, that, that they would be disproportionately affected? You I don't know because I know they have the helium three stuff was already happening. That was already in full effect. So and like they have all those like the, the oil shale, but that really wasn't developed until kind of the two thousands. So it's not like a economy sector that would be shut down. But I, I would be surprised if there's not a hell of a lot of. I mean, there's a shit ton in in uh, Alaska. So oh, I bet they yeah, have a, yeah maybe the I, I, that's the only thing I can think of economically. It's like they didn't think it would make sense. Yeah. Maybe they were being asked for a pretty big ante and they decided the pot wasn't worth it. Because Canada, of course, been a big part of the International Space Station. I mean, the 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 whole giant manipulator arm, uh, mm-hmm. that's all mm-hmm. Canada. So Canada arm, yeah. Canada arm. So that'll do it for this week at For All Mankind. It, once again, the number for our line is FAM at baldmove.com. Uh, quick note. This is the last episode that we're going to record before our Christmas break. Now, we are recording, uh, if everything goes right, two episodes in advance, so we shouldn't miss any delays. But we think of us as, as we're in the Apollo capsule and we're about to go behind the moon. So we're going to be doing stuff, but the communications will be blocked. We won't actually be able to respond to email until we come back from behind the dark side of the moon and get all those transmissions so we won't be considering feedback uh, on episode seven and eight, but we should be able to catch back when we return in January, uh, uh, starting with feedback again. So keep that in mind, FAM at baldmove.com. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Appreciate having you along for the road. Until the next time, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Bye, Bob. <laughs>